So he says, go and sin no more. Yes, you are forgiven. Yes, I am forgiven. Hallelujah. Of sins past, present, and future. All been covered by the blood of Jesus. But we're responsible for living a lifestyle of holiness and godliness before the Lord. Well, hello, everybody. This is Pastor Mark A. Stroud, and I thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Kingdom Rock Radio. Well, we're in a series entitled Revival Fire. A change is coming. And today's message is part number two, and it is entitled, When God Came Down. Oh my God, we had a great time today. Now don't forget to go to our website at www.kingdomrock.org. It's there that you can hear the entirety of, of this message, as well as the entire series. Now don't forget, if you have a Roku box, check us out. Just look for Kingdom Rock TV on your Roku device. And if you love podcasting, make sure you search for our podcast. We are there. For more information, just go to our website at www.kingdomrock.org. All right, without any further ado, here comes today's message, which is entitled, When God Came Down, right here on Kingdom Rock Radio. Revival always starts in us first before it spreads abroad always starts within us within our own hearts before it spreads abroad are you hearing so today um, today's subtitle is when God came down when God came down and I'm going to do my best. I'll tell you this now. I'm going to do my best to bring you this word, the very best that I can, to honor my Father and to honor you. I'm going to do, I'm going to do my very best. So I pray that your hearts are open and attentive, uh, and attentive to hear what thus saith the Lord. Amen? Amen. All right. So we're going to start here today at John the 8th chapter, John 8, verses 1 through 11. John 8, verses 1 to through 11. I'll be reading this out of the King James Version, and this is how it starts. This is a very familiar um, text of Scripture. Uh, even if you haven't been in church before, I believe that you have possibly heard of this, of this Scripture. And I want to bring it to you, and then we're going to see some things that the Lord has for us to see today. And it goes like this. Jesus went, uh, Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him. And he sat down, say sat down, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst uh, set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. Verse seven, so when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, he that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again, he stooped down, wrote on the ground and wrote on the ground. 
and they which heard it being convicted by their own conscience went out one by one beginning at the eldest even unto the last and Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst when Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman he said unto her woman where are those thine accusers have no man condemned thee she said no man Lord and Jesus said unto her neither do I condemn thee go and sin no more Oh, isn't Jesus wonderful? He's so wonderful. He did not dispute that this woman was in adultery. He did not say, no, you were wrong. She's actually innocent. He did not condemn her. He forgave. He loosed her. And we're going to see some things today. We're going to talk about the Lord's character and, and nature as we're in, again, this series called Revival Fire because it's important that you understand what Jesus has done for you. And I pray that you'll see a good picture of this today. So if we go back up to verse, uh, verse number two, it says, of course, early in the morning he came again into the temple and all the people came unto him and he sat down and taught them. I want to show you several pictures here, several pictures here. One, of course, here's Jesus in the temple. He is um, he's in a seated position. And the Pharisees and the scribes have brought into him, as we just read, a woman taken in adultery. Now, women in the Bible is in many cases, especially in this one, uh, symbolize the the church, symbolize the church. So here was the church uh, in trouble. The church, those who are following the Lord, Old Testament or New Testament, um, have in many cases been seen as adulterers. They were in a covenant relationship with God, but had backslidden before. I'm not sure how many of you have ever backslidden before. Come away from God. Broken your covenant with God. The agreement. So let's talk for a moment, uh, just, a, just a little bit about this woman. Who is this woman? Who is this woman? Who is this adulterous woman? So we see here, but let's first talk about what is adultery, first of all. What is adultery? Adultery is, uh, of course, having voluntary relations with someone that is not your spouse. That's a nice way, isn't it? It is also giving, uh, when, when one gives to another something that is exclusively divinely appointed only to be shared or released with your spouse. That's another nice way of saying that. It is a betrayal of intimacy. Adultery is a betrayal of intimacy. A breaking of covenant. The breaking of a covenant only meant to be shared with your spouse. It's a covenant agreement. It's a promise that you make to them. Now, the Bible calls the, uh, in John, or rather James, the fourth chapter, James four, verse number four. Listen to how it reads. As the Lord talking to the church here, he says, the adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. 
So we can be tipping out on God, tipping out on the marriage bed. You understand we love you, Jesus. Yes, but you know, I got, hold on a second, Jesus. I'm going to go over here right quick, but then I'll be right back. I wonder if anybody ever said that before. Hold on, Lord. I know, remember, the, the church is styled as the bride of Christ. We are, we are divinely connected to him. So we said, Jesus, you understand, I know you love me and all that, but this person over there, you know, really, there's some excitement brewing over there. There's some excitement. So if you wouldn't mind, I'll be back in a minute. And the Bible calls them adulterers, adulteresses and adulterers. Don't you know that the friendship of the world, your courting of the world, you sharing your intimacy with the world, with the world system, God calls it adultery. Now, let me break that down to you even further as we go to Jeremiah, Jeremiah 3, uh, verses um, 12 through 14. The Lord tells Jeremiah here, he says, go proclaim this message toward the north. Return, faithless Israel, declares the Lord. I will, uh, I will what? I will frown on you no longer. For I am faithful, declares the Lord. I will not be angry forever. Only acknowledge your guilt. You have rebelled against the Lord your God. You have scattered your favors to foreign gods under every uh, spreading tree and have not obeyed me, declares the Lord. He said, you spread yourself out everywhere. That part of you that was exclusive to me, you have shared it with everyone. You've made yourself a doorknob. And we'll hold that right there. The Lord said, you've scattered your ways. Something that was sacred to me, you have given it to them. He said, I won't be mad. I won't be mad at you forever. I won't frown on you forever. He says, turn back to me. Can you see a husband telling his bride, come back home, baby? Can you see the bride telling her husband, come back home? Are you hearing me? So this is what he's saying here. He said here in verse number 14, he says, return faithless people, declares the Lord, for I am your husband. I am your husband. God said, I am your husband. I will choose you, one from a town and, and two from a clan, and bring you to Zion. That's the place where he is. He says, come back home to me. Come back home to me. So I want you to see here that this woman that was caught in the act of adultery, really, she's us. Thrown down in the midst. And I'm not sure how I've been, have any, has there ever been people attacking you because of the sin that you've been in? They weren't really interested in you. They're really interested in getting at God. The scribes and Pharisees weren't really interested in this particular woman. She could have been anybody. They just wanted to get her there in order to accuse Jesus. He didn't really care about her. The devil doesn't really care about you. He just wants to get at you to hurt God. Like you may say, you, they, they don't really care about me. They, I mean, they don't really uh, care 
about my children. They just want to attack my children to get at me. If they can't get you, they're going to try to attack the ones that you love. Because they know if they attack the ones you love, they'll really hurt you bad. And so here was this woman caught in the very act of something, caught up, you know, something that may have started innocent, may have started just innocent, but it became addictive and it began to pull her in and, and pull her in and pull her in. And maybe it was fun at first. Maybe there were some good laughs at first, but that's what the devil does. He tricks you. He baits you in to come into his little cave deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And then after a while, you get so turned around, you don't know how to get out yourself and you find yourself in a bad situation and you don't know how to get out of it. I wonder if anybody have gotten hooked up in a relationship like that. You wonder, how in the world did I get here? How in the world did this happen? How did I let this happen again? I've been here before. I've done this before. How did I let this happen to me again? Pulled in, pulled in, pulled in, pulled in. And so deep inside of it now, your body begins to cry out. It's, it's affecting you emotionally. It has become addictive to you and you can't get out. And even though you know it's wrong, you knew it was wrong before, but you, now you know it's definitely wrong and you can't stop it. How much longer would this lady have stayed in this relationship except she'd be pulled out right there in the middle of everybody? Oh, they knew exactly where she was. They knew exactly what she was doing. They didn't bring the man for some reason, probably because he was one of their buddies. But they brought her. They knew Jesus' character. They knew his nature. They knew that he loved people. They knew that he was merciful. And they were trying to trap him, use this woman to trap him. The whole community may have known about her adulterous affair. So how can we trip him? Let's use so-and-so. We know what she's doing right about this time. We know where Jesus is and we know where she is. Let's go get her. This wasn't an accident. They're walking by a window. Come here. She ain't married to him. No, they knew exactly who she was and where she was. The enemy knows. If it weren't for the mercy of God, all of us would be exposed. I wish I could get some talking here. He knows how to pull you into something. And it kind of reminds you of that story of Roger, Roger the dog. You remember Roger the dog? Let's stop here for a moment as we talk about this adulterous woman. Talk about all of us getting wrapped up into something that we know we should stop, but you just can't. It takes God to deliver you. Kind of reminds you of Roger the dog. Well, they had a family picnic stand. Everybody was there. The whole family was there. It's a family reunion. And Roger the dog was there. And they were cooking on the grill. They had some good ribs on the grill. Uh, grip, grill has some good ribs up there and, and hamburgers and all that stuff. And Roger was, oh, he would just salivate. <laughs> oh, they had him on a chain, though. They had him on a chain, chained up, Roger. Because um, you can smell that. You can smell them ribs cooking. Mmm, has some good sauce on there, too. Mmm. And they just. 
and the smoke oh and roger as he's trying to his best to get off of that chain well you know they went inside to do something and roger kept pulling and pulling and pulling and he got off that chain you know where he went straight for that grill now they were inside doing their thing then all of a sudden they heard Somebody went out, what in the world's wrong with Roger? What's wrong with him? Well, Roger got a hold of that rib and he was burning his mouth. They said, Roger, why won't he let it go? It's too good to let go. It's hurting me, but it's too good to let it go. A lot of people that come into church going, no, this is hurting them. Know this relationship, know this thing is hurting him. Yes, Lord. Yes, but it's too good to let go. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. It takes God to come down and deliver. So here's this woman caught up in this bad, caught up in this bad relationship. And it's going to take God to overcome this and get her out of this. If they knew exactly where she was, don't you know she was caught up? Are you hearing? And so here again, I want you to see something. See, see Jesus' position. Now, before we do that, the Bible says that she was set in the midst of them. Set, S-E-T. She was set, verse number three, she was set in the midst of them. So she's there in the middle, standing. They drug her in there. That stand right there. While they accused her. And that's what the devil does. He's known as the accuser of the brethren. Stand here. While we talk about how bad you've been, stand here while we condemn you. Because understand something, she knows that what she has done was worthy of death. Yes, yes, yes. The Bible says they quoted, they quoted the law to Jesus and said, Jesus, you know what the law says. This woman was caught in adultery. You know what we've got to do. I've got my rock. You know we've got to stone her to death. Stone her, throw, that is throw these big rocks at her until she dies. So she was as good as dead. Death by stoning. Can you imagine how horrible that death? Someone, has anybody ever been hit by a baseball before? That did not feel good. Think about being hit by rocks until you die stoned to death this is what the law says she ought to be stoned to death until she dies jesus this is what the law says but what do you say because they know jesus is a caring compassionate man they know he's going to say hey don't do that brothers she made a mistake don't do it then they're going to say aha we know that you a hypocrite jesus because moses said we ought to do this and you say we shouldn't do this so you are teaching people not to obey the law so boys uh, officers of the court come on and get him it's time for us to get rid of this jesus person altogether because he's teaching people not to obey the law or they said or they could have said well yeah it's the law let's stone her then yeah, so Lord Stoner. Then they say, uh-huh, we knew it. You hypocrite, Jesus. You hypocrite. You, you teaching love, and now you telling us to kill her? You're a hypocrite. See, people, don't follow him. Jesus is not the man you think he is. So they think they got him all wrapped up. What is Jesus going to do? 
How interesting, isn't it? So they set her in the midst, S-E-T, set to, the word set there means to stand in the midst. So they brought her in and she's standing right there. Can you see her standing right there in the midst? They caught her in the very act. So she probably has on the bed sheets, I suppose. Maybe she's got on the bathrobe. They were so vicious, I doubt if they gave her time to change. They brought her in, didn't care about her. They wanted to get at her to get to him. The devil don't care about you. He wants to hurt you to hurt him. And so they drag her in. And so she's standing there in the midst. See her head down. She knows that she is about to die. I don't, I'm not sure she's heard. Maybe she's heard of Jesus and wondering, Jesus, what she's going to do for me? What is Jesus going to do? Can he do anything for me? Because now Jesus becomes her uh, defense attorney. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. She's hauled into court. Hallelujah. And she's about to die Jesus. unless Jesus does something. Hallelujah. Caught up in a bad relationship. Yes, Couldn't get herself out of it. Yes. And so what happens? Jesus is, first of all, he is sitting. The Bible says he is sitting. Now see this prophetic picture here. He sees his people in danger. And he rises from his seat. And he comes down. See this prophetic picture. He sees his people in danger. He rises from his seat. His seat would be his throne. He rises from his throne and then he comes down to deliver. She is standing, but the Bible declares that Jesus gets off his seat and he goes down further than she is. He goes down to the ground and starts riding on the ground. The finger of God now hits the ground. Boom. As he is defending her against her accusers. Now, Jesus takes his finger and begins to write upon the ground. Highly prophetic. Why? Because when was the first time we saw God take his finger and write? Write. We saw him write upon, the, upon tables of stone, the stone tablets. We call those stone tablets what? The ten the Ten Commandments. He begins to write. That's the first time he wrote with his finger. The first time he wrote the commandments on stone tablets. But this time he writes them. He writes a new commandment upon the ground. He's writing on the ground. Now let me show you what this looks like. Let's go. Let's go back to Jeremiah. Let me show you this. Let's go to Jeremiah. Um, let's go to. Yeah, let's go to uh, Jeremiah 31. Jeremiah 31. Let me show you this. Let me show you what he is writing on the ground. Very clearly. Because he writes on the ground and he gives them a word and then he goes back to the ground. And then when he gets up the next time, everybody's gone. Right? He writes on the ground twice. He writes twice. And this is what he is writing here. Jeremiah 31, 30, uh, 31 through 34, it says, the day is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant. Say new covenant. He says, I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel 
and with the people of Judah. Verse 32, it will not it will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt. He says, when I write again, it's not going to be what I wrote on the tables, uh, on, the, uh, on the tablets. This is something new that I'm going to write. And listen, and it goes on to say this. He says, uh, verse 32 again, he said, it will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them. He says, declares the Lord, verse 33, this is the covenant I will make with, with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds, the first writing, and it write write it in their hearts the second writing and i will be their god and they will be my people no longer will they teach every no longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another know the lord because they will all because they will all know me from the least of them uh, to the greatest declares the lord for i will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more so that's the covenant that's the new covenant that the Lord is establishing here. Now, listen, what did they take up to stone the way the, to stone the lady with? What did they take? The Bible literally says they took up what? Stones. The Bible says it said that the law of Moses said that such should be stoned. And what was the law of Moses written on? Stone tablets. So they took up bits of the law and we're going to pummel her or destroy her with the law. So what does Jesus do? He begins to go down on the go down to the ground. He takes his finger and writes on the ground. He doesn't write on stone. He writes on the earth. He begins to write on our hearts and write on our minds. This new law that he's putting in place, this law of grace. The Bible says that uh, the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. So he's writing a new law. What does this do? The Bible says that when uh, Jesus said to, said to them, uh, let him that is without sin cast the first stone at her. Whoever of you that is sinless, who, whichever of you has never sinned, you can cast the first stone. None of them could make that claim that they had never sinned. So those that wanted to stone her, to kill her, weren't worthy of it. And the one who was worthy that had no sin, Jesus, was not willing to do it. He was not willing to punish her by death. Are you hearing? He told her, I don't condemn you because this was not his ministry. Remember, God sent him not into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. All right. So he didn't have the ministry of condemnation. And so when he released the word uh, to those people that came to accuse her, they all went out one by one. And this is how he's going to establish his kingdom. And I pray you hear this as we begin to close right here. This is how the Lord is going to establish his kingdom, not on words written on stone, but on words written on your heart, because you will now know what is of God and what is not. When you come into relationship with Jesus, no man needs to teach you because the spirit of God within you will convict you of your sins. It is the word of God that, that is ushered out of the mouth of God that will cause us to be convicted. 
Here is Jesus. He begins to now speak a word, begins to speak a word, speak a word even to the latest accusers. And what do they do? Remember, they were about to sin in so many ways, so many words. But he spoke a word and his word disarmed them. His word convicted them and they knew this was wrong. We cannot do this. Uh, I am wrong in doing this. Let me back away from this. And this is exactly what he's going to do with you and I, what he is doing with us. If you allow the spirit of God to deal with you, the word of God is still coming forth. And when you're getting to those challenging situations, the word of God will still come forth and it will disarm the devil. It will disarm that sin. It will disarm, disarm that sin nature and cause you to drop the thing that you were planning to do. So the Lord tells her, I, I don't condemn you. Sin no more. Now, it's important for you to realize this because many people today are are friendly with they call the hyper grace movement. That is, I can sin. I can do whatever I want to. God will still love me. And, you know, and I'll get into heaven, you know, just whatever. It uh, doesn't matter. I go to church or not go to church. It doesn't matter. God still love me. I'll get in. That would be true if Jesus said, uh, neither do I condemn thee, period. But he didn't say that. He said, I don't condemn thee. And then he said, go and sin no more that there is a responsibility and a weight of being a believer. Are you hearing? Amen. So he says, go and sin no more. Yes, you are forgiven. Yes, I am forgiven. Hallelujah. Of sins past, present, and future. All been covered by the blood of Jesus. But we're responsible for living a lifestyle of holiness and godliness before the Lord. And this is established by his written word in our hearts and in our minds as we get online with the Holy Spirit and allow him to speak with us and speak with us and continue to cleanse our soul of the contaminants of this world. Because listen, the one reason that we sin, let me give you three reasons why we still sin. You say, I'm forgiven, so why am I still sinning? Let me tell you three reasons, then we're going to close out. The first reason is that we sin or people sin because of a proximity problem. Proximity meaning closeness. Uh, the closer you get to the Lord, the less and less you want to sin. So sin is still abounding because we're too far away. I guarantee you, if you're standing with your parents or you're standing there with, let's say, with a policeman there, you're standing, let's say you're standing there in Walmart and there, there are four or five policemen there and you see an open cash register there on the other side of them. How much willing are you going to be to steal right there in front of the police officer? <laughs> or let's say you're driving down the expressway and you're really getting it. You're really getting it. And you see a few state patrol cars sitting over there on the side. How much willing will you be to continue to drive 90 miles an hour down the road? You will only sin only abounds in us because we're not close enough. When you're in the Lord's presence, I guarantee you, you won't think about doing that. First of all, sin is the, is the um, proximity issue, and then it's also a maturity issue. There are certain things that you will simply grow out of. As you grow and mature in the things of God, as you discover who you are, as you discover that you are a king's kid, that you are royalty, that you are one with God through Christ Jesus, you'll understand that some, certain things are just beneath you, and you won't want to do them anymore. I told you about my G.I. Joe when I, was, when I was a young man. I used to carry G.I. Joe with me everywhere I went. But as I began to get older, I stopped carrying him. I didn't have a need for him anymore. I put it away. Are you hearing? I'm not sure he's crying somewhere now or something. 
like Andy, you know. But I grew up and I put it away. So there are some things that we're still dealing with that you're still dealing with them and it still has a hold on you simply because you haven't gotten the word of God in you. You haven't allowed the Holy Spirit to mature you on the inside. And so you, that's, you'll still deal with that until you grow, until you grow past it. You can outgrow some things. So first of all, it's a sin is a maturity problem, or rather proximity problem. Then it's also a maturity problem. And we can say thoroughly, it is a knowledge problem. You don't, you continue to do it because you don't know. You just don't know. You can't do better until you know better. That make sense? So this woman was called, but Jesus found her and the, her haters did her a favor. How much longer would she have been in that relationship? They did her a favor because they brought her to the only place where she could finally be set free in the presence of the Lord. I pray you've heard the word of God today. We'll stop right there in Jesus' mighty name. Father, I release this word. We pray that you have been richly blessed by today's message. Remember, if you would like to hear today's message in its entirety or hear the entire series, just go to our website at www.kingdomrock.org. That's kingdomrock.org. You can also subscribe to our podcast and get it on the go. And if you have a Roku device, make sure you search for Kingdom Rock TV. In there, you will find this program and so much more. We would also love to see you in a live service. Just go to our website to get the details at www.kingdomrock.org. Until next time, remember that Jesus loves you and so do we. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way.